deciding to spend some of your Christmas Eve with us. Um, if you've been with us, you know that we've been journeying through a sermon series that we've titled Hope Has a Name. If you haven't been with us, that's okay, because we can fill you in on what we've been doing. And that is, we've been looking at the birth story of Jesus and asking the question, what does this story have to tell us about hope? Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to go to a prophecy of the birth of Jesus, which is like a prediction of his birth. And we're going to check and see, all right, what can that tell us about hope? So let me read this prophecy of Jesus's birth out of Isaiah 9, 2. And then I'm going to skip from verse 2 to go to verse 6 and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. All right, so here's the big idea I want to communicate to you. It's this, the Christmas story gives us hope because it provides for us a wilderness shepherd. So let's first talk about the wilderness. So when Isaiah was writing these words... He was writing to an audience that was in some significant darkness. So the Israelites, God's chosen people that God chose to bless the world through, they had turned their back on God. They put their trust in other things, false gods. And as a result, the Syrian empire had Israel in its crosshairs. And it was an evil empire, but it was bearing down on the Israelite people. And so the, the threat of being deported from their land, the threat of torture, the, the threat of death was really real as Isaiah is, is writing this. Um, we are currently living under the shadow of death and in the land of darkness. Um, it's different. We're not you know, fearing imminent invasion from a foreign empire. But uh, we all know that this last year to two years has been, they've been dark years. Um, you know, the COVID pandemic, we are still right in the heat of it. And it's just regained momentum with this new variant. The cases are climbing like crazy. Um, and a lot of you have been impacted in one way or another by it. Just talking with the brother who is in the hospital with COVID while his mom passed away from it and his sister died from it all in this last year. This is the reality that we're in, right? Um, there are people that were going to be here. I got text messages on the way to church that can't be here because they either tested positive or they're waiting on results. And so some of them aren't even able to spend Christmas with their kids, uh, which is crazy. So darkness, right? And then you add on top of that all the political, social, and racial um, unrest that's been in our country. It's just a whole slew of darkness. And then if you add to all of that the personal 
wilderness experiences that some of our people are in and maybe you're in today. You know, you may be here and you're dealing with, you know, a marriage that is just really struggling or you're dealing with a financial problem that's been really difficult or you're dealing with friction in your family and it makes this time of the year anything but the most wonderful time of the year. Some of you may be, you know, drowning, uh, drowning somewhat in the, in, with anxiety or depression and that's the darkness that is just over you. Uh, some of you may be dealing with the darkness of infertility. Um, the list just goes on and on of the personal darkness that we can experience. And so the question becomes, is there any hope for people like you and I who are walking in darkness and living in the land of the shadow of death? Is there any hope if you're in the thick of the wilderness? And that leads us to the second point. There is a wilderness shepherd. So check this out. So what Isaiah was proclaiming loudly and clearly in the passage I read to you is that there is hope for weary sufferers like you and me. And there's a hope that is certain. It's not wishful thinking. And the reason why it's certain because hope is a person, a concrete person, and his name is Jesus. That's who it is. And because he is hope, there is hope for you in Jesus for your wilderness experience. So now look at how Isaiah describes the person of hope, Jesus Christ. Look at the titles he gives to Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You know, we're at an advantage compared to Isaiah and his audience because they had to look to the future for the arrival of Jesus. We don't have to. He has come. He, he's already been here that first Christmas. And so we don't have to wait. We can know Jesus right now. And this is good news because of who he is. Let me just go through these titles and you'll see just how great and amazing Jesus is. So let's first start with Counselor. I have personally benefited immensely from formal counseling. I know many people that attend this church have as well. Um, you know, when you think of great counselors, they are able to combine this empathy, this care for you, this, this, they're, they're with you in your hurt and your pain and your struggle with this challenge where they're able to guide you, give you wisdom, give you direction in order to navigate the darkness that you're in. That's what the best counselors do. You know who are also the best counselors are those that have been through the darkness that you are walking through. They've already been there. They've experienced for themselves or they've helped many, many people walk and navigate through that wilderness. Jesus is this counselor. He is the counselor of counselors. Um, he has suffered every form of grief that we experience. Jesus was poor. At times he was homeless. He was rejected by his own people, even his own family. He was abandoned by his closest friends. He was misunderstood. He was gossiped about. He was embarrassed. He was humiliated. humiliated. He even experienced death. Jesus has experienced every grief that we can experience. He knows what it's like. He can relate to you. He can give you compassion and empathy because he has been there. 
In addition to personally walking through whatever grief we're experiencing, Jesus has been there, he's done that. He's also helped millions of people navigate exactly the wilderness that you're walking through. Think about that. He is the counselor of counselors. What's more is he's a wonderful counselor, the verse says. Now, the Greek, that, the word that's behind this English word of wonderful, it actually means supernatural. And so Jesus, as a counselor, is not limited by human wisdom and knowledge. He is the all-knowing, the all-wise counselor. He has supernatural wisdom, supernatural insight to help you really see with clarity in your wilderness. And he knows exactly what you need to navigate that dark time. He is a wonderful counselor. Let's continue on. He's not just a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. So the reason why Jesus is able to know your grief and the reason why he's able to give you supernatural wisdom is because he's both fully human and fully God. If he wasn't fully human, then he wouldn't have experienced firsthand the grief that we experience. If he wasn't fully God, he wouldn't have supernatural wisdom to impart to us as we walk in our wilderness. And so he is God. Colossians um, 1.9 tells us that God the Father was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in God the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God, and yet fully man. He's mighty God. Now, mighty is not, the way that this is used here doesn't mean just like general strength. And of course, Jesus has general strength as God. He's all powerful. This word, mighty, how it's used in the Bible is always in reference to how God personally fights for his people when they're in dark times. That's how it's used in the scripture. And so what this is saying is that in your darkness, Jesus will be fighting with his strength with you and for you in your darkness. In this, his fighting for you on your behalf, his might may look different based on your circumstances and, your, and you, but sometimes it's in the form of him changing the hearts of the people that you're having issues with. Sometimes his might goes to battle for us and it changes our heart. And we realize we were more of the problem than we thought. Sometimes his might goes to battle for us and it changes our circumstances. Sometimes his might goes to work for us and it, it changes, um, it changes, he gives us an ability to do things we haven't been able to do before, like extend forgiveness. Sometimes it is simply just his strength, strengthening us and our weakness, sustaining us as we walk in the wilderness. But he fights for us. That's what the might means. All right, let's go to everlasting father. You know what's better than a great counselor? Is a great father. Because great counselors, um, they have boundaries, right? Um, a great counselor isn't always in the life of their clients, right? They, there are things that they have to do, but a great father, a good, great father is involved in their child's life, is emotionally, physically, mentally present with their children. There's, they provide and protect their children, right? They, they discipline their children in a lovely, loving way. They work to see their children grow and thrive and all of that, right? So Jesus 
is that he cares for us. His concern for us is like that of the greatest father you can imagine. And even more, because even the great fathers that we know, they are sinful and they have weaknesses and flaws. He's above and beyond that. What's more is he's the everlasting father, and this is awesome. Because, um, unfortunately, my dad who is here, he is going to die at one point, right? And before that, he may not be able to care for me anymore, and I have to care for him. He's going to grow weary and tired, and he probably could say amen to that right now, right? <laughs> Jesus is everlasting. He never grows tired. He never grows weary. He is therefore always an ever-present help in time of need because he is everlasting, everlasting Father. Um, how about Prince of Peace? A prince is a person who rules, usually you know, on behalf of a monarch, usually a son. Jesus is the ruler who rules on behalf of God the Father. That's what prince means. He's a ruler. He's an administrator. Peace. What kind of ruler is he? He's the prince of peace, which means, does he rule by violence and coercion? Like the king of Assyria did back in Isaiah's day? No. Does he rule with pride and arrogance like a lot of our leaders today? No. He is the prince of peace. And what he does, his rule creates peace between man and God, and his rule then creates peace between man and man. That's what his rule does. Um, the, the thing is, when we have a close relationship with God, and we're connected to the Prince of Peace, and we're listening to him and what he has to say through his word and through prayer, he changes us, which changes our perspective on the people in our life. It changes our relationships and how we interact with those in our lives. And the peace that we receive from God then can be extended to those that we interact with. And then more peace can come, right, into the world. Now, if I were to sum up everything that I just shared to you about Jesus, I would say Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a good name. Because Emmanuel means God is with us. He is with us. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, the mighty God, he is with us in our darkness. And that means due to Jesus' greatness, due to his goodness, there is no darkness that you can experience in life that uh, Jesus, when you're on Jesus' team, it can't be overcome. He is the light that the, that the darkness cannot overcome. Will it always be quick? Will the wilderness always be quick? Will the darkness always be quick? No. Will it always be easy? No. But with Jesus as our shepherd through it and in it, we will make it through. And not only will we get through it, we will be better for having gone through it. See, what Jesus does is he uses the darkness to only serve to increase the light that we experience, which is the ultimate defeat of darkness, by the way. It's amazing. Emmanuel, God with us, is he with you? That's the question. Is he with you? Is he with you? Have you received Emmanuel into your heart? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your ruler? 
He's the Prince of Peace, which means he's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to do that. He's not going to, you know, make you obey him right now by coercion or violence. He's the Prince of Peace. How can you make Jesus your ruler? Well, let me tell you this. First, you've got to admit that you have contributed to the darkness in the world. Because the reality is, there's a lot of darkness out there, but if we're all being honest, me included, there's a lot of darkness in here. And we often think that the problem's out there when, yeah, but it's also in here. Have you admitted that you have contributed to the darkness? That you have rejected God? That you have tried to do life apart from Him, and as a result, you've hurt others in the process? You've got to admit that. And then you've got to believe, this is what you've got to believe, that Jesus died for you to pay for the darkness that your life has produced so that you could be forgiven and reconciled to God. And then you need to believe that Jesus conquered death through his resurrection, and he now reigns over the world from heaven, and that he is willing to come and live inside of any heart that will humbly receive him. By, he comes and lives inside of us by his spirit. You've got to believe that. And then you need to say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me from the inside and out. I receive you and I commit to living as if you are my boss. You are my CEO. You are the captain of my life. You're on the throne of my heart. You are Lord. I am not. Your will, your way, your time, not my will, my way, my time. Right? And let me just end with this point. So we talked about the wilderness. We talked about the wilderness shepherd and how he can be with you. Um, I love this last point, out of the wilderness, because here is what we really want. Do we not? So in our heart of hearts, what we want more than anything is not just to be guided in the wilderness. We want the wilderness to go away. We don't want there to be any wilderness anymore. We want the darkness to be erased. Is that not the, our cry of our hearts? It's, it's going to happen. Because Jesus, so there's this promise right in verse 7 of our, our passage. Look at this. Uh, verse 7 tells us that Jesus' rule, rule is increasing and there will be no end to it. He will rule with justice until the entire world is filled with peace. The word that's used there is increase. Did you see that? This means that everything sad will come untrue. All the wrongs will be righted. All things will be made new. Peace will engulf the world. Revelation 21 speaks of God taking the former things, the, the darkness things of our current existence and eradicating it for good, wiping tears away. No more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. This is going to happen when Jesus returns, and he will return. It's called the second advent. His birth is the first advent, and as surely as he came, he will return. This is wonderful news. Turn to Jesus so that you might truly live now and forever. Believe what he did for you. Commit your life to him as your new ruler. Ask him to come live inside of you by his spirit and progressively transform you. D.L. Moody, he said this, trust in yourself, 
and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in friends, and they will die and leave you. Trust in money, and you may have it taken from you. Trust in reputation, and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God, and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Hope has a name, and it is Jesus Emmanuel, the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty God, who is. And if I had more time, I'd talk to you about that word zealous. I guess I'm kind of right now. That word means that God is jealous for you, which is not this kind of like selfish jealousy thing that we often exhibit. It means he is like crazy in love with you. And so him becoming Emmanuel was all motivated, motivated by his jealousy, his, his love for you, his desire for to have you and for you to hold him as like the number one in your life. And it's just wonderful. So it's all out of love. Let me pray. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for being Emmanuel. Thank you for coming into our darkness, coming into the middle of our mess, entering into it, taking it on, dying for us in our sins so that we could be forgiven, so we could be reconciled to the Father, so that we could be given new lives that are being transformed to ever-increasing glory. And, and Lord Jesus, we look forward to your return. We look forward to the complete removal of evil from your good creation, that you will remove sin as far as the curse of sin is found, that you will make all things new. Until that day, May we hold on to you tightly, knowing that you are holding on to us, and nothing can snatch us out of your hand. Lord, may we know, may everybody in this room know, that whatever darkness they experience, you are more than a capable wilderness guide and shepherd. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.